Welcome to Buena Vista episode 134. I am Ben, and I am standing atop a mighty sandworm, speeding through the deep desert. In front of me, using long hooks to expose the sensitive areas beneath the worm's many segmented rings, forcing it to turn, is Lucy. Hello, Lucy. Hi. That sounds very skillful. You're doing it uh, with great aplomb. Mm. Uh, clearly a practiced desert dweller. I sure am. Uh, behind me, using the spice melange to transcend space and time, specifically to look into the changing rooms of the cheerleaders for the 1972 Dallas Cowboys, it's Andrew. <laughs> Hello, Andrew. Oh, that's right, baby. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm taking it all in. I'm the, honestly, I'm so excited by the 1972 Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders that I'm getting a little parched and taking a sip of my recycled piss out of my still suit. <laughs> that is a man that loves titties. Oh, who <laughs> doesn't? Get him anyway, can. <laughs> who doesn't? What sort of monster doesn't? You know. Oh, it's windy up here. We're really moving. You're always fucking complaining, aren't you? It's you know, something. I've, we've summoned this fucking huge sandworm so we don't have to fucking walk across the desert and you're sitting there being like, oh, yeah, a bit windy. It wasn't a complaint. We're on a big sandy desert planet. I was really enjoying the breeze. <laughs> Finally, the air is moving. The, uh, the breeze that is only hitting the parts of you that are exposed, which are just your eyes, and helping yes. cool them down a little. Yes, because um, the rest of the time I'm just absolutely pouring sweat, which is all mixing in with my piss and being drunk by me out of my still suit. Mm. Mm. Which is convenient because you would have been drinking your own piss anyway. <laughs> I like an unfiltered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but this time it doesn't taste like piss. So it swings and roundabouts for you. Yeah, I'm like a, I'm like a raw water advocate, but <laughs> <laughs> just for piss. Like, oh, you you take all the good stuff out of it when you filter it around through your still suit. When you take out the stuff that uh, gives you diarrhea, you also take out all the nutrients. That's right. Mm. I'm one of those, um, like, urine therapy guys now. Oh, that's What's a real a thing, isn't it? urine therapy guy? That is a real thing. It's absolutely... Um, is that just being peed on? <laughs> no, no. It's, uh, it's, it is... They well, would make me feel better. <laughs> that's another form of therapy, yes. But um, but no, it's a it is a type of self care in which you drink your own piss for its medicinal value. Ah, of course. Um, I know this because when I was like seventeen, um, I was doing like uh, IT type classes, and one of them was like however many weeks of just learning to use PowerPoint. I was like, how long, how long are we going to need on this, really? Um, but we had to do a presentation on any book of our choice. And I found uh, the, the book on urine therapy. Oh, and, oh Lord. <laughs> and I did a PowerPoint presentation to the class on the medicinal value of drinking piss. Um, and I passed. So, who's laughing now? It's still me. It's still me. Wow. Did you learn anything? Could you, like, off the top of your head, sort of tell us what the supposed benefits are and why that's the case? Oh, it's all very, um, it's all very, like, oh, it's, it's sterile, anti-inflammatory properties, it's good for your digestion. I'm sure people think it's the same thing as, like, you know how, like, rabbits eat their own shit and, and just, like, digest the grass again kind of thing? Because their stomachs suck and they're not particularly efficient. 
Yeah. And people are like, oh, they're getting even more nutrients out of it, which I could do also if I drank my piss. <laughs> Sounds like you it's wouldn't recommend easy. it. No. Well, um, I've also seen there's like people people that I follow on Twitter who like um, just troll lots of horrifying Facebook groups, you know? Mm. Um, shout out to a friend of the show, Caddy, who was was looking through one of these groups where people do like people do exactly this oh you can just use your piss for all this stuff there's people posting photos of of their own eye like all red and inflamed and they're like oh my eye got really irritated so i put piss in it and it's worse should I be using more piss? And everyone in the group's like, more, more piss. Absolutely. More piss. More piss. You, need, you need more piss in that bad boy. Um, piss, you know, piss, if, piss. If you've got some stuff that you've had in a jar by the windowsill that's like uh, sitting there for a few weeks and it's extra potent, bang a few drops of that in. That'll really knock it out of there. You know? That's my favorite type of Facebook thing is the um, helping helping other people with absolutely no medical knowledge between any of you and the general vibe of the group is just positivity positive vibes it doesn't matter that the thing you're doing clearly isn't working it's true just just be positive and do like more of it we talk about twitter being like a negative cesspool but i think facebook's positivity in these kinds of groups (laughs) is far more damaging it's true it's true and um can i just read uh this is, I've been looking at the Wikipedia article for urine therapy. Okay. Uh, there's some great stuff in here. I'm going to read you two sentences. Unrelated. The first one is just, just for the value of the words in it, is a delight to me. Uh, an exhaustive description of the composition of human urine was prepared for NASA in 1971. <laughs> exhaustive. I've consumed this piss every way that it's possible. To consume it. I've held it up to every different kind of light to get the different colours of it. Um, the other sentence is this. Urinating on jellyfish, wasp, bee stings, sunburn, cuts and blood vessel bursts is a common folk remedy. However, Scientific American reports that it may be counterproductive <laughs> as it can activate nematocysts remaining at the site of the sting, making the pain worse. Excellent. So not only have you just been pissed on, <laughs> the injury you just sustained has been made worse. Damn, I thought that was a real one. I thought you should pee on a jellyfish sting. Have you yeah, ever asked your marine biologist husband about this? It's probably something I could be asking him. <laughs> or, did, or did you instead get your uh, jellyfish treatment uh, regime from the show Friends? <laughs> or is from the movie... Uh, fuck, what is it? Is it oh, it's not forgetting no. Sarah Marshall. I don't Maybe. know. It's in no, yeah, stuff. it is. It is. It is. He gets uh, he gets stung, and uh, Paul Rudd is there, mm. and he's like, "Hello." He, he does Russell Brand's British accent for him. You are correct. It is forgetting Sarah Marshall. Thank you very much. Good stuff. Oh, speaking of um, high quality health advice dispensed on Facebook, <laughs> we've had a little a little bitty outbreak of a thing I like to call. Oh no coronavirus that's right i coined the term uh leading (laughs) leading to all those uh fun jokes about beer you're welcome what do you mean i would like to point out that i did a really bad one of those in confidence with theo among friends and then he decided to make a point of pointing out on the internet to everyone like hey 
He thought it was funny to say this. <laughs> that just seems rude. That seems like a betrayal of confidence to me. It is, but also, did you deserve it? Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Much to consider. Much to consider. So Ben, uh, Ben found this little this little post that has been shared extensively on Facebook, um, which is, of course, as we said, where you can get all the best medical advice, and where you can get a real a real fun intersection of of different theories and different uh, kinds of things running across each other. This one speculates on um, whether or not coronavirus was maybe caused by five G. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, let me let me ask you this, Lucy, before we go any further into this. Mm, I'm listening. Can you personally prove to me that the coronavirus was not caused by 5G? Damn. I mean, you really got me there. I'm no scientist. I'm no 5G engineer, so... <laughs> Even less people are both of those. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we need the the one guy who is both a uh, phone network engineer and uh, whatever the the disease doctor thing is. Epidemiologist? Uh, A a doctor of diseaseology. Diseaseology. The the paramedicine (laughs) for diseaseology. (laughs) <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, there was a some type of uh, thing getting circulated, allegedly from the Paramatta Center of Diseaseology. Oh, actually, top. I might look for that while you read Paramata this one out because there Center. is some fucking for, great shit in there for diseaseology. And the government had to come out and say there is not a center of diseaseology. <laughs> <laughs> Just Paramata, another, no less. In Paramatta, there's plenty of other ones. Uh, so this meme shared a bunch on Facebook. Uh, is it pixelated? Off. Tell me how pixelated it is. It was pretty pixelated. By the time I saw it, uh, it had been at like, you know, the weird like boomer screenshot with increasingly worse phones. How so do the, do it? There's a weird magic to it. Also, they put Instagram filters on text for some yes. reason. It's mm. baffling stuff. Beautiful. It says, very interesting. Wuhan is where 5G was rolled out. That is very interesting. Mm. Don't know if there's any evidence for that claim. Uh, what if 5G wrecked immune systems and thereby boosted the virulency of the normal cold? Boosted One the of the virulency? main points. Well, is is this suggesting that if if left unchecked by a weakened immune system, that a normal cold will like mutate into something Mm. like the coronavirus? Uh, One of the main points about 5G was that it would wreck immune systems and make people sick. Was it? Was it? Yeah, I think we all read the journals and that's what the takeaway was. That 5G would vibrate your immune system so it stopped working. Yeah, ow, my cells. (laughs) No, it's not. It wasn't the whole... um, uh, it will stop like weather prediction apparatus from working. It was instead, hey, it's going to make colds worse. Silicon Valley does not want it. And the kicker, all caps, people in Wuhan say 5G sucks and that 4G was better. I (laughs) personally would say that the kicker is getting coronavirus. (laughs) Imagine these people like, you know... 20 minutes left to live and they're like, oh, I'm getting really 
bad stream of this movie on my phone. My Daily Motion rip-off episodes of BBC sitcoms from the 70s are buffering. No! (laughs) Uh, I could have watched two episodes in this time. (laughs) Figure that, it says. I remember now that Wuhan was where the tech was going to be put in place first, but forgot all about that with this, scare quotes, pandemic. I I like this person just chucking in there. Oh, now I remember. Mm. <laughs> it's a very conversational style of writing. I remember now. Not um, here is the evidence for like any of these claims. I, here's the evidence for the claim that this is where the tech was going to be put in place. What if all we are seeing in Wuhan is sickness from exposure to excessive 5G radiation and weakened immune systems? <laughs> and they've chosen they've chosen to uh, stick a pin in this with the seriousness it deserves by rounding it out with things that make you go hmm to me that has the same energy as that uh, <laughs> with the one nation guy that posted the picture of the hot sexy nude lady centaur with hmm <laughs> interesting thoughts <laughs> yes much to consider uh, I did find that other post um, s- strap yourself in for this one. Okay. Urgent notice: Corners disease update. <laughs> Corners disease. C O R N A apostrophe S disease. Corners disease. Corners disease. As the disease is starting to spread in the Greater Sydney region, I would like to warn wholesale shops and buyers on the risk of buying contaminated products. Sorry, contaminated products. Uh, the fo- these following items are known to or may have traces of Corona's disease. <laughs> Products are made or held in neighboring areas close to Wuhan, China. Uh, Wuxiang rice, Zhaoshan rice, fortune cookies, Nongshim onion rings, Migoreng noodles. Are so good though. Peach iced tea, brackets, Lipton. Yakult milk drink. <laughs> Chinese Red Bull, brackets, traces may also be held in normal Red Bull. Wagyu beef. <laughs> that famous Chinese Wagyu beef. Yeah. The following items shown above may contain traces of the corona's virus, and we are urging the public to be extra vigilant before purchasing these products. Oh, no. The Bureau of Diseaseology Parramatta has run some tests on the air in areas in which people with corona's disease have visited and contaminated. Rhodes. Burwood. Strathfield. Chester Hill. <laughs> I... So, <laughs> Ben, Ben, I just want to point out that I just put Yakult into Google mm-hmm. because I was curious about where it is manufactured. I also was very curious. And the first, the first predictive result was Yakult coronavirus. What? <laughs> wow. So it is oh, often people, in like Japanese on. supermarkets. I don't know if they've just taken like a list of foods from an Asian supermarket to throw in here. Ooh, yeah, like- they've just walked around. Let's, as an do example, not, do not take my Nongshim onion rings. I'm so saying that right now. When they say mi goreng noodles, right? Yeah. Uh, they are talking specifically about. We well, have to assume because that's a style of a dish, right? Yes, but we, but we assume it's the the one brand that we all know, uh, which mm-hmm. is the Indomie ones. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure are made in Indonesia. And where does Wagyu beef come from, I ask you? <laughs> Great <laughs> is question. Is it Wuhan, China, 
Or is it Japan? <laughs> Are you a doctor from the Parramatta Centre for Diseaseology? <laughs> that or? is true. I mm. am not someone now, punching now, my ben. clock at the Bureau of Diseaseology <laughs> in Parramatta. <laughs> Uh, Wagyu also comes from Australia and America. Oh, is that true? I've been reading into exactly what Wagyu beef is recently. Oh, I assume it had to come from the region, like champagne. (laughs) Technically, it's just fatty cow. No, well, it's um, it's it's specific like breeds of cow. So um. Well, I'm a fool. We're Uh, both vegetarian, though, right, Lucy? So we're fine. I'm fine. I'm vegan now. Woo! Morally to all of us. So, to clarify, this is what I was reading recently. Wagyu is any of the four Japanese breeds of beef cattle. In several areas of Japan, Wagyu beef is shipped carrying an area name. For example, Kobe beef. Ah, I was thinking of the Kobe beef. Yonezawa beef, Mishima beef, uh, Sunda beef, etc. But then they've, like, taken some of those breeds of cattle, brought them to other countries like Australia and America... And in some cases, like, started breeding them um, with other cattle. And then, so, like, in America, they breed Japanese Wagyu cattle with Aberdeen Angus cattle. And then they created that and called it American-style Kobe beef. Mm. So, they have their own thing there. Um, Yeah, and the same thing in Australia, where uh, we have, like, Wagyu cattle here. And Get we it put in it your burger. in McDonald's. Very believable. Extremely. <laughs> 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 like quality. These are the finest parts of the feet that we didn't need. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's where Wagyu comes from. I don't think it's all from uh, Wuhan, China. <laughs> hmm. What about all Red Bull in the world? Yes. Um, I, I really like how they just tossed into that. The, the Chinese type of Red Bull, if that's a thing. Is that a real thing? Is. is that like a special Red Bull variety? Well, I, I, thought that so. was like the, I thought that was like the Thai Red Bull that's like, you know, the little, the little square glass vials that's basically just like the liquid nectar form of, of Red Bull. Delicious. That sounds fantastic. It sounds uh, so it, good. And it feels like it's so good for you when you're drinking it. Um, you're just like, ooh, I'd better have some of this medicine. And then you drink like three of them and run a few laps of whatever building you're in at the time. Um, great stuff there. Great stuff. I love to hear what 5G is and is not doing. Mm-hmm. Although um, I, I love listening- to find out that it's vibrating my atoms apart so that uh, if I would normally have had uh, a small stuffed nose or whatever... Uh, I am going to die instantly. That's cool. Uh, funnily enough, with all of the recent controversy about Joe Rogan, um, I was listening to Joe Rogan the other day, talking to... Where were you? Big time Bernie bro. That's me. Um, no, as, I, as I've said on this show before, I listen to, like, Joe Rogan now does specific, like, MMA-related episodes where he just talks to, like, a fighter. Um... And those are interesting to me because they just talk about, like, fighting, boxing, whatever. Um, and he tends to not get into <laughs> a lot of the areas that I don't care to listen to him talk about. Um, however, he was talking to former uh, former UFC featherweight champion Frankie Edgar, who was talking about how his wife has um, Lyme disease. 
uh, and they were talking about how you know it's it's more and more common now, and so that it's one of those things where if you miss the symptoms of it in its initial stages, uh, which is like the point at which you can get antibiotics for it and stuff like that, if you miss it, then it's just something that you have like seemingly forever, and it's kind of incurable. R.I.P. Justin Bieber. He also has Lyme disease now. Uh, what's her name from Bloody uh, Bikini Kill as well? She has uh, Lyme disease. There you go. Uh, so they were talking about that, and then they, <laughs> and then Rogan is immediately like, that uh, they both. He was like, I heard a thing that Lyme disease was like a, uh, like a bio weapon that the government was trying to make that accidentally got out. And from there, the conversation <laughs> took a turn uh, straight towards coronavirus. Oh, boy. Yep. And, um, and I was like, yep, this is why people get mad at you, Joe Rogan. Because he's like, hey, I saw a thing on the internet. And it's like, yeah, we've all seen a thing on the internet. We've all seen some shit on the internet. It we've all seen a of- thing on the, the internet. We just don't describe it credulously to our, like, 100 million plus listeners. Exactly. That's all. It is a little upsetting when you realize, like, when an older person in your life, like a friend of the family or something you have on Facebook, goes ahead and posts one of these things, and you just, it's like you're seeing into this whole world of people that we don't know, like outside of our little bubble, and just seeing what they're reading online every single day. Should we, um, should we take a slight, a slight detour here for a second and just quickly discuss the Joe Rogan, Bernie Sanders endorsement? Yes. I bet you'd love to, sure. Well, it, I, it was it was very interesting to me to see people losing their minds about that. Um, as a lot of people pointed out, the the people who seem to be most stridently saying, "Hey, you should not accept Joe Rogan's endorsement, and you should be, you know, publicly repudiating him and stuff like that," are the people who support like uh, Hillary Clinton and. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren and all these people who have endorsements from like uh, Henry Kissinger and are married to Bill Clinton and <laughs> <laughs> things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, th- I thought it's interesting because he has like a massive audience. I did listen to the the interview that he did with Bernie Sanders, um, and it was it was it was like such a such a better shake than Bernie Sanders gets from any other forum, basically. Mm. Um, as we saw from the recent debates and stuff, where they were like, uh, Bernie Sanders, are you a sexist? And he's like, no. And then they're like, when, when you found out Bernie Sanders was a sexist, how did that make you feel? <laughs> uh, they just, they go very hard on him. And the interview with Rogan was like an hour of him saying, so what's the deal on this? And letting Bernie just explain his position at length. Uh, and it was obviously compelling though. You can go and read through like shitloads of comments on that video on YouTube of people going, you know what? I have been convinced by this and I'm going to vote for this guy now. And it's like, surely that is the point. You would think thing. so, wouldn't you? You would think that is the point. Yeah, and, like, I I absolutely agree that, like, uh, you know, Joe Rogan has, has done a bunch of not great stuff in terms of... Having um, Alex Jones and shit like that. And it's Milo Yiannopoulos and Dave Rubin and all, all these kinds of people. 
I, I've spoken about this before where I, I think that the issue with Joe Rogan is that he is a, at this point, a, you know, rich, well-insulated white guy with a massive audience. And it's very, very, very easy from that position to say, hey, I'm just very open-minded and intellectually curious and I'm happy to entertain whatever side of whatever argument. Um, and he then just very credulously listens to whatever he is told. Um, but you are, you know, mainstreaming those views. You're, you know, in some cases of people like Alex Jones and Miley Yiannopoulos, you're giving like a gigantic platform to those people that they wouldn't otherwise have. And also, I very much dislike any time that Joe Rogan immediately finds a reason to start talking about transgender people. It's pretty much always bad. Um, Because he's... Well, he's always talking about it in the context of, like, sports and mixed martial arts. Oh, right. So... So, like, he he doesn't seem to have any issue with it whatsoever on, like, a, a personal level, just how somebody wants to live and their own choices and everything like that. He's just like, great, go for it. His issue is always um, if somebody is going to transition and compete in a sport at the elite level, he has lots of problems with that on, like, a physiological level. The way he expresses that, I think, is... It's not ideal, Very, but I think you can separate like issues with him with the fact that he does have a huge audience. I think it is actually very important for us to be thinking about how we can actually change people's minds because people whose minds are most likely to be changed are not like super Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris stands, you know? I feel mm. like those people aren't going to come on side, but people that are going to come on side are, you know, working class people and people who have the same problems that Bernie Sanders is going to address that might not be so involved in politics and talking about it but who yeah, Joe Rogan well and I think a large a large part of his audience as well is people who are extremely disenchanted with politics as it exists yes are and people probably who taken a wrong turn on how they're dealing with that but it's not too late yeah but What's it's not our job to educate them that's right. We should just let everything keep on going because it's not our job to educate anyone. And I, I think that's a that's a problem for the you know extremely online type of political activist. And we've we've talked about this sort of thing before. I think that as soon as you get into that realm of like trying to win the gold medal at the woke Olympics and making sure that you are like ten steps ahead of everybody else in terms of you know, knowing exactly what's offensive for the specific reason that you can turn around and like hector people about it. Not good. You're not, you're not going to be changing anybody's mind. You're not going to be helping anybody. And that, and I should note that is completely different from saying like, Oh, if you hear someone say something transphobic, you shouldn't call that out. Like it's a, yeah, it's a very, very different thing. Uh, between that and saying like unless somebody perfectly aligns with absolutely everything I think and feel 100% of the time then I don't want them to be a part of my movement then you the only thing you're setting yourself up to do is exclude people and in the case of Bernie Sanders I mean there's been no secret that a huge part of the aim of his movement is to activate people who are otherwise not involved in the political process because they've been excluded from it for so long. 
Mm-hmm. And if you can reach out to an audience the size of Joe Rogan's and convince a whole bunch of people, hey, I'm trying to do things differently in a way that benefits the working class instead of the rich, um, and a whole bunch of people come on board with that, then I, I don't see how you can see it as anything other than a net positive. That's right. We're a pro Joe Rogan podcast now. That's right. Pro Rogan. <laughs> pro Rogan. Progan. Joe Progan. Joe Progan. No, like, like we said, it's it's it does it, it is very interesting in that it definitely tests that idea of do you have to absolutely agree with every single opinion that's ever been expressed by someone to have them as part of your coalition? And I and I wouldn't even consider Joe Rogan to be like you know he's he's not a he's not a um well they call it he's not like a surrogate for bernie sanders campaign or anything it's not like he said oh i'm out there phone banking for him or anything like that maybe he bloody should be get out there joe maybe you should on the phones start texting your mates yep but uh, i think when when you're talking about an audience the size of his as well literally like over a hundred million people the idea that you can like point at an audience that size and say they all think and feel the same way about everything is also absurd yeah anyway but the uh, lesson here is that uh uh being friends with actual war criminal henry kissinger very cool yes uh having an endorsement from a guy who's kind of shitty very bad my um yes Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. That's the uh, lesson. Well, yeah, having having an endorsement from a guy who spends uh, roughly twelve hours a week speaking publicly to to millions and millions of people, who some of the time says dumb stuff. Uh, I feel like if any of us were to produce that, we've many never hours said of content, anything that dumb on this podcast. That's no, true, but we're only we're only doing an hour a week. You know, you can. You can rein it all in when you're doing that. <laughs> we have to concentrate our dumb shit into a very small amount of time. That's right. That's for the bonus. That's for the people that are paying. They're in the inner circle. That's right. But, uh, but hey, that's how you get your hot opinions about where the coronavirus came from. 5G. It came 5G. From 5G. Um, but if you do happen to be traveling in China um, and thinking, boy, a lot of this coronavirus about... And you want the government to get you out of there. Boy, a lot of this coronavirus about. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. We- like wave- waving your hand in front of your face like this bad smell. You know? <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, the air is positively thick with coronavirus. Uh, and hey, and you're like, boy, I hope the Australian government can help me to get out of this um, epicenter of a pandemic. Ben, is the Australian government able to help you do that? Oh, sure, for a nominal fee. Huh? Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, so it's like a responsibility of a country to look after its citizens. That's sort of the social contract that we we look after. And obviously, if you're stuck overseas in the middle of a dangerous pandemic, the Australian government will help you. Why are you... um? Yeah, like I, I totally agree. We'll but help why, you. why are you rubbing your forefingers and your thumb together in that motion <laughs> while you say that? 
<laughs> Look, if you just give you me... Wiggling? Why are you wiggling your eyebrows and rubbing hey, your fingers hey, together? Hey, I've got to take care of you. Just a little bit of cash. Why are you opening... cash money. <laughs> why are you opening that, uh, that beige sack with a big dollar sign printed on the side and holding it out to me expectantly? <laughs> Money, please. Um, so, absolutely, Australia's going to get you out of there. Uh, they are going to fly you to a little lovely island called Christmas Island. And hey, with a name like that, it's it, it must be magical paradise. every day, every day of the year. Now, if you're an international listener, you might hear Christmas Island, and maybe you're picturing something like. Uh, Easter you know, the Island. end of, like, uh, the meaning of life, where they're singing <laughs> that it's Christmas Island. in heaven every single day. It's Christmas Day. That's not what Christmas Island is. It is a prison island uh, where we indefinitely put people that have committed the hideous crime of attempting to seek persecution to come to Australia by boat. Uh, why would someone seek persecution, then? Did I say seek? Sorry, flee persecution to come to Australia by boat. Uh... So, this used to be one of our primary prison islands, for we have many uh, at the moment. Well, it had been shut down for the last couple of years, but at an extraordinary expense in the cost of hundreds of millions of dollars, we reopened our offshore detention facility to house a family of four. There are uh, a family there that were living in Biloela in Australia, where the country said, "Uh, no, you get the fuck out of here, you're not real refugees. Uh, we're putting you on prison island. Two parents, two kids, they were hanging out there largely by themselves, and now the government is saying, hey, you got that coronavirus maybe? We're chucking you on the prison island for 14 days. Uh, Yeah, that's when uh, the government says to the family of four, "Uh, do you guys have the coronavirus? And they say, no, actually. And the government goes, oh, well, about that. Do you want it? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so you will get Ch- to hang change out there. is as good as a holiday. The government says uh, you'll get a fortnight on the prison island, which also has a, res- a small residential population, and at some point, I believe, in the past, was a very small tourism destination. Uh, you have fourteen days on the prison island. They'll cost you up to a thousand dollars to get there. But then the government, if you're all clear, they'll oh, take oh, you back oh, to oh, Australia. So, so the government would is going to do this, but you have to pay $1,000 to get onto the plane and be taken to quarantine. Yes. That's just good public health care. Well, it's, it's going to be fine. It's just 1000 bucks per person, I assume. Uh, and then you get taken back to Australia. Uh, You're using the term Australia you... quite loosely there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, just back to Australia. They're taking you back to Australia. So, for instance, you live in the outer suburbs of Melbourne. Great. They're flying you to Perth. Maybe you live on the Gold Coast. They're flying you to Perth. Uh, maybe you live in Alice Springs. They're flying you to Perth. Maybe you live in Newman, Western Australia, just outside of Perth. They're flying you to Perth. <laughs> oh, that's not bad. Uh, <laughs> that works out quite well. So I think it's maybe three hours away. It's still a little while away. Uh, sorry to why West Australia heads out there. I don't know shit about Western Australia. Uh, so they'll fly you to Perth, and then they tell you, go fuck yourself, uh, and it is up to you to sort out your own way home. Uh, now, again, for international listeners, because a lot of people like Australia, that's that small country that's next to Germany, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Australia is very, very, very big. From Western Australia to, well, from Perth to the East Coast, uh, where all of our major cities are, except a few other ones that we don't give a shit about, I believe that's like a six-hour flight? Is that, does that sound right to you guys? 
it is cheaper and quicker to fly to the country of New Zealand than it is, sure is. to fly to Perth. From it is cheaper to fly to the island state of Hawaii. Than it's to fly pretty to Perth. fucked up. Perth <laughs> is nowhere. There's nothing there. They made a few good bands. All of those bands immediately left. Uh, and that's where they're going to drop you off. When, um, yeah, the, it, it, look, let's be real. Country's too big. I'd love to be real with you. Uh, let's stop being friendly and start getting real. I don't, I don't like being let's real. Let's turn the chair around. <laughs> sit down <laughs> on it. Smash our balls uh, from how we've decided to sit on it. Ooh. And then get real. Um, when, when we came to Brisbane a couple of weeks ago to get out of the bushfire smoke for a bit, we drove up and it's like 13 hours to drive from Canberra to Brisbane. And, um, we were very lucky that we like sent our kids on a plane ahead of us and then we drove up. So for any, for anybody out there with, uh, little kids, you might recognize that as a vacation of its own to spend <laughs> a whole day in the car with your partner without any little kids in there. Um, it means you can do things like listen, listen to podcasts or have a conversation that goes for more than 35 seconds before being interrupted by somebody. Um, but it is still a very long drive, a very long way. And it made me think of how every summer when I was growing up, because my whole extended family lives in Brisbane, it would be like my family's job to come up there uh, to visit everybody. Um, which meant that, you know, we would have to do that whole drive every summer. And it's a very long time in the car. And I was talking to my parents about it and they were saying like, yeah, well, the thing we used to do was like start driving in the evening so that you guys would go to sleep in the car and then we would just drive for the entire night, like taking shifts back and forth uh, and getting bits of sleep and stuff and arrive in Brisbane like first thing in the morning. Um, my grandparents would have like breakfast ready for everybody and my parents would like eat some breakfast and then just go to bed. I was like, that sounds like it sucks. Um, I don't want to do that, so I won't. But uh, a whole thing to do with your kids every year. And my auntie said, yeah, we used to drive, you know, from Brisbane to Mackay all the time. And that's a 16-hour drive. And I went... Grief. And I went, huh? Because in my mind, having done that trip over and over again in my youth, in my mind, going from Canberra up to Brisbane is like going from the bottom to the top of Australia. Mm -hmm. And then you get to Brisbane... And you can drive 16 hours north from there to get to Mackay, and that's still nowhere near the top. You're not even... I think Mackay is, what, like, close to halfway? Uh, to, up like, to the top of Queensland? Yeah. Yeah, that's absurd to me. It's ridiculous. And it was one of those things that, like, um, very quickly just kind of reset my idea of how far up the country we were traveling when we do that. You know, how, like, in that abstract sense, you sort of go, oh, well, we're right down the bottom in New South Wales. We're going right up there to Brisbane. Mm. Um, and then Brisbane but, is but just no. a, a hop, skip, and a jump over the border. And then you have just a shitload of a country left. So much more. Too much. Queensland is three times the size of Texas. Uh, and Australia is, like, five times the size of Queensland. It's a big fucking country. It's pretty yep. big. Uh, so, yeah, enjoy getting across that big old bitch by yourself. <laughs> better I start, you better like start hitchhiking, pal. Yeah, better start uh, working that thumb, you know? <laughs> Thanks, Australian government. <laughs> yep. Enjoy. 
So that's cool. That's what you can do if you would like to not be um, in the midst of a great big outbreak of a virus. Now, my recommendation, if you want to save yourself a thousand bucks, just take a bunch of cold and flu tablets and just pretend that you don't have it if you feel the symptoms coming on. Just turn off your 5G, switch it off. When you're going through the airport, just be like, oh, I haven't had a cough, I'm, nothing. I'm, actually, I'm not experiencing any symptoms whatsoever. And then they'll let yeah. you go home. Mm. Just um, do not wash down that medicine with Chinese Red Bull. I repeat, <laughs> do, not, do not wash it down with Chinese Red Bull or Lipton peach iced tea. Don't Just pour a Lipton flavor. peach iced tea over your meat goreng <laughs> and you will be okay. Now... Has anybody ever seen the movie Pontypool? Excuse me? Is that That's the zombie word virus one or whatever, right? Correct. Never seen it. Really good. Uh, Stephen McHattie in the, in the lead role, who I, I will never Stephen stop... I do McHattie. I will never stop confusing him with Lance Henriksen when I see You're him. You're just making up British names, aren't you? He's American. An American guy. Oh, see, oh, I nice. always confuse uh, Stephen McHattie with a different actor... This is very interesting, uh, <laughs> but not very interesting. It's just that for me, he's always a guy I've had a problem confusing him with someone else. This is mildly interesting. This say. is interesting to me. And um, so, so I'm assuming that what coronavirus does to people is very similar to Pontypool. Joe Turkle. Sorry. It's Stephen McCaddy and Joe Turkle are the two people I always confuse. Fair enough. Uh, in the movie Pontypool, um, a mysterious virus starts to spread through a town... Um, and it manifests itself in people uh, uncontrollably speaking uh, this strange gibberish where words lose all meaning. Um, and I assume that this disease has spread to the country of England because it's Brexit Day, folks. It's Brexit Day. Everybody is getting what they always wanted, I assume. A Brexit. A, a Brexit for the soul. I, I I have very deliberately just um, stopped allowing my brain to absorb any new information about Brexit some time ago. Except it happened. That kind of snuck up on me because I have been like... It's never going to It's never going to happen. This is some dumb shit happening in the fucking UK, which I don't give a shit about. What the fuck? Who fucking cares? It's oh, it always happened. been happening. Here we go. It's been happening yeah. for like eight years. It never ends, except it has ended. Huh. Um, so... In, in the lead up to this, Boris Johnson and some other people decided that they wanted to turn Big Ben back on, the great big clock, which I, th- I think had just been turned off because they were like, it costs too much money to run. Uh, no, they so starting in 2017, they started this like four year long restoration project. So it was basically uh. completely silent, except at enormous expense, they ring it on... I don't know, Christmas Day or New Year's and some other shit. But it's like two holidays a year. They could have just sent me up there with like an air horn. <laughs> hang out the side. A vuvuzela. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and and the, camp, the campaign... I don't know how to describe this. The campaign for getting it to, to ring for Brexit Day was they were trying to raise public money, like raise money from members of the public to pay for the enormous expense of making it ring. And they were saying that they wanted people to b- b- bung, bung a bob to Big B. 
Ben for the Big Ben Brexit bong. It's very simple. Bong a bong for a Big Ben Brexit bong. Make Big Ben... Make Big Ben bong for Brexit. Bung a bob to Big Ben for the Brexit bong. Just On Brexit day, bob. the bob we've bunged will allow Big Ben to bong for Brexit. Uh, if you can bung more than one bob, uh, <laughs> bung that bung those bobs. Bung we bung enough bobs, bobs for Brexit. Big Ben will do multiple bong. bongs for bobs. <laughs> <laughs> Brexit. Oh. Why do British no. people have a brain why, illness? Why are they like this? They think this shit is cute. You've got your fucking your Boris Johnson with his oh look at me, I got messy hair. I used to play rugby with the old boys at Eton College, Wales. Uh here's a cute little bit of words. Oh, I'm so daffy. Oh fucking boogly boo. Except you I'd didn't call trucks you lorries. <laughs> Which is perverse. It's a lorry, isn't it? No, it's not. A truck. No, it Shut the fuck up. Isn't. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to figure. <laughs> no, no, it's in it isn't. <laughs> oh, now for so, international listeners, um, for any Americans listening, uh, the UK is it's like country. another country. Yeah, it's. Uh, the, you it's heard it here first, folks. The, U, the UK is a country. <laughs> it's very complicated. I don't want to have to explain this. It's not here. It's not here where we are. It's another continent. It's, it's there's a place Europe? called Europe. Um, I'm trying to think of <clears> any movies they might have seen, seen Europe in. Hollywood James Bond. <laughs> he spends yeah, a lot of time in Europe. Yeah, mm. that's true. And he's English. Now, England is also a country. It's part of the UK. Which is also a country. Um, the correct. movie, the movie Euro Trip, mm. from yeah. two thousand and four. If you saw I Euro be- Trip, I believe the that Mr. that was Bean movie. Oh, um, what's that? Uh, the Gigolo <laughs> movie, the sequel where he's in Europe. Deuce uh, Bigelow, European Gigolo. Yes, yeah. these are all great places to really beef up your knowledge of Europe. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that's most of them, though. That's most of the other countries, or that's <laughs> no, that's most of the places where you can learn about. Oh, Europe. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think that's. I think that's basically it. National Lampoon's European Vacation. Hey, there we go. Well, that's a good syllabus. So there's a little bit of reading material for you there. Uh, hopefully, that makes this a little bit more clear for you guys. When we do say uh, that they tried to bung some bobs to Big Ben to make Big Ben bong for Brexit but <laughs> the, the bobs that they bonged were not enough to make Big Ben bong for Brexit mm. now you understand what we're saying mm. you hate to find out that when you have put in the hard yards to bung one of your bobs to make Big Ben bong for Brexit but when mm. Brexit comes the bob that you've bunged wasn't enough to make Big Ben bong on Brexit day don't bung another bob <laughs> It turns no. out there are no amount of bobs you could have bunged to make Big Ben bong on Brexit Day uh, because the House of Commons committee that makes the decisions on whether or not Big Ben bogs won't take donations. Ah, oh. that seems like a fundamental problem because here you are. You've, you've bunged all these bob to Big Ben for the Big Ben Brexit bong mm-hmm. and then the day of Brexit comes and now you're bobless and you're, you're bongless. And bongless. It's you're bongless. Bongless, yep. You're- Bongless and bongless, bongless and bobless, you know. 
hate the UK. <laughs> a fucking stupid place. All right, so what happened was Boris Johnson says, we're going to make Big Ben bomb. And then some parliamentary committee says, no, we're not. And he goes, okay, uh, how much is it going to cost? 500,000 pounds. Cool. Okay, well, we'll do a little crowdfunding. And then some people do it and they raise 277,000 pounds. And then that committee says, no. And now we're bongless on Brexit Day, even though we bonged 277,000 bobs. (laughs) You hate to see it. So now what they're doing instead is a light show, which seems patronizing (laughs) to me. How about some colourful lights? Will that make you feel better about the bomb that you bonged for a Brexit bong? I guess. Uh, well, how how do you represent Big Ben bonging through a light show? You know? Like interpretive dance. Just someone standing on the top, just like waving their arms, <laughs> simulating bongs. Oh, dear. Absolutely ridiculous stuff. Um, you do hate to see it and you hate to not hear it, I guess. You hate to not hear it. You've got your big fucking extremely gnarled ear that is a bright red colour. It's got tufts of hair coming out of it like fucking marsh foliage. Describing the most British ear that's ever been described. (laughs) It is uh, the sort of ear you would expect to find on a like 150 year old hobbit. Uh, It is angled towards Big Ben. There is a uh, very stumpy hand. Also bright red, weathered from a hard life of picking up warm beers, slamming them to your mouth, putting them down and picking up the newspaper. Uh, And it's waiting. It's waiting for the bong. The Big Bang bong for Brexit. Because you bonged that, Bob. And the Big Bang bong never comes. A single tear rolls down the ruddiest cheek you have ever seen. Uh, It plops into the warm beer, lowering its temperature and making it undrinkable. (laughs) This beer's 11 degrees now. (laughs) Disgusting. Another day ruined. (laughs) Another day in dreary grey England ruined. So, you know, they got that going for them, which is nice. Now, before we run out of time today, I think we might take a quick little trip over to a little place we like to call... Nature Corner. Country roads take me home to the place I belong. Winter is Nature Corner. Rob Crafts, sit my Beautiful. That eagle the gets good me stuff. every time. That's the good stuff. Uh, now, Ben was perusing local news, as he likes to do. Mm, I'm a local Man of the people. Man. He likes to have his ear on the ground. Now, uh, and what, what I particularly love mm-hmm. is that we live in a time now where the sort of veil of secrecy between us and reporters has completely dropped. Uh, thanks to their bosses trying to drum up fucking social media metrics they force them to tweet about every single moment of their lives even when they're off the clock they're live tweeting the radio they're doing whatever they're always tweeting about everything that's going on they're just like us they're just like us and we get to see (laughs) behind the curtain uh and we get to see just insights into an industry 
that we maybe never would have gotten before, you know, 10, 20 years ago or whatever. And uh, it's stuff like this that really makes you admire the industry as a whole. Uh, to take as an example, this is the Win News Tasmania state political reporter, Meg Sides. This is a tweet she did yesterday afternoon, about 2.30 in the afternoon. Here we go. The snake handler we were interviewing in regards to a snake bite death just got bitten by a tiger snake and is being treated by paramedics. We are currently in possession of the snake. (laughs) There was a little update to this in the replies. In even worse news, I was holding the snake at the time. Oh my goodness, Imagine. So, just... Let's get the thought process here, right? So, someone died from snake bite death. So, they're like, we will get an expert. We better interview a guy holding a snake. (laughs) And he should be holding a tiger snake at the time that we're interviewing him. Yep. And then she's gone, oh, well, he looks quite cuddly, actually. Could I hold that? And the guy's gone, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He definitely won't bite anyone, he says. There's not a chance he'll bite anyone. And then he goes, ah, I've been hoisted on my own petard. (laughs) I've been bitten by my own tiger snake. Mm. <laughs> Ow, my petard. <laughs> uh, the man was transferred to the ICU shortly afterwards. An antivenom was administered. The snake is back in professional care. <laughs> it's good um, Now, I, I do just want to dip a little further into this scenario because... Please. We really have to try to project ourselves into the, the mindset of... The person who is holding the tiger snake, I believe that would be Meg in this mm-hmm. scenario. Certainly. The person who's holding the tiger snake, uh, when it bites the professional snake handler, causing him to say, oh no, I've been bitten by the very poisonous snake and immediately need paramedic attention. I'm assuming at this point a lot of the focus goes to the man who's been bitten by the snake, mm-hmm. right? Well, you're just uh, flailing around with this snake in your hand, right? Well, and then you have to stand there and, I guess, kind of try to be chill while you're holding the snake that you are now keenly aware is poisonous and apparently does not have as big an aversion to biting people as you were led to believe. <laughs> Absolutely. Or his appetite for biting has just been satisfied. Y- well, or has the snake's bloodlust been, mm. <laughs> been been conjured? True, Is he like, true. you know what? That felt that good. So good. Oh, if only there was someone else around here I could sink these two little pointy bad boys into. See, I would avoid this by never holding a tiger snake, just yes. personally. Yes. Um, like preparation is, is better than the cure. You know? Is that mm. the thing? Prevention. Abstinence prevention. is the only abstinence, prevention. Yep. <laughs> Snake abstinence is a position that we champion on this show. I uh, I would like to give some more time to the sentence, we are currently in possession of the snake. <laughs> because to me, like I, as you've described, right? So the guy, he's been bitten. We've gone... Oh, no. Shit. Call Australian 911. Or triple zero, as we call it. <laughs> uh, and they have been like, and I guess uh, we'll keep this. You've got to go to hospital. We'll just hang on to your tiger snake for a little while. Just hang on so, to it. Like two hours later is when she tweeted, the, st- the snake is back in professional care. God. So there's like a two hour window where they're like, and um, 
We'll just, I'll put this in the back of my car. <laughs> I guess got to chuck this in the back of my RAV4. Just let him slither around for a little bit until someone comes and takes him from my hands. Um, I believe you basically just have to stand very still doing the pose that um, Britney Spears did when she was holding mm. uh, the large snake at like the MTV. Oh, sorry, the VMAs. I believe it was the VMAs. Uh, holding a great big snake and you just have to just let it slither around on you and remain very calm. Try to slow your heart rate. Don't I guess. show it fear. Mm-hmm. Don't show it. No sudden movements like uh, to reflect that you would prefer to not have the poisonous bitey snake on you anymore. Act like you'd love it. Kiss Pretend the snake. like you're just waiting for it. <laughs> Psychology. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I'd absolutely hate to be bitten. Wait, that's the wrong reverse psychology. I'd yeah, love um, to be bitten. Exactly. Start, well, start trying to assert yourself as the alpha in the scenario, you know? <laughs> if you show yourself biting another person harder than it can bite. <laughs> maybe. Just bite the snake. Just, maybe just bite the snake. Get in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, although I really must reiterate uh, Lucy's position that I agree with entirely, which is... Don't hold the snake. Oh, so you don't, don't like birds, says, you don't like snakes. Is there any animal you do like? <laughs> I don't mind the, the birds that pick up the snakes and fly off with them. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the enemy but I don't, of your other enemy is now your friend. Yeah, as long as I also don't have to have that gigantic taloned eagle land upon me or anything mm. like that. But what if a giant eagle picked up you? Would you find it funny then? Oh no! It would be very oh, funny. Where am I going? Imagine, Pretty funny. Like, you know how there are like historical, documented cases of like eagles picking up babies. <laughs> like, there'd be a part of you, despite the overwhelming existential terror of watching a bird take your baby away, you kind of have to laugh, right? It'd be <laughs> a little bit silly. You'd be like, "What are the odds?" <laughs> oh, the eagle just picked up my baby, and then you go I'm- back to hysterical grief. Uh, we'll I did not see that coming. <laughs> I will in twenty-five to fifty-five years' time. I will laugh about this, <laughs> uh, and one day, hopefully, I will reconnect with my child that has been raised by eagles. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's what they do. With babies <laughs> when that's what I would assume is happening when the Back eagle's the... taking my baby. It's, he's another life is for him. He's not my child anymore. That's <laughs> how most adoptions work. That's right. Oh my goodness. Well, um, I kind of feel like that's about all, all we have time for. Now, if you would like to bunga Bob to the show, mm. <laughs> for only five Bob a month, bunged to us monthly, um, you two could be listening to a bonus episode every week. 20 quid. 20. <laughs> it should be noted that this is one, uh, absolutely not a one-to-one currency it's five american dollars not sure how many australian dollars that is and it's definitely not five quid i will tell you it's roughly eight australian dollars and uh five pounds is approximately 1200 australian dollars that is correct i've been (laughs) to london and i can confirm this is true uh, can yes. I just a little, sorry, backtrack slightly, just looking at a story here from Slate. Uh, according to a 1910 story in the Milwaukee Sentinel, a two-month-old child was stolen from its cradle by an eagle, who then took the infant to its nest at the top of an oak tree. So I think you might be right. I think Wow. it took it there to raise it as its own. Yeah. Makes sense. Beautiful. Uh, 
So, yes, if you would like to bunga bob to the show in order to receive an extra bonus episode every week, please head to patreon.com slash Punta Vista. Uh, if you want to write into the show and say things like, uh, actually, here's how coronavirus works. Don't. Um, you can send oh. that into mailbag at buntavista.com, at which point it will be immediately put in the trash. Our secretary will deal with it. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that's it for us, folks. Thanks for joining us. And maybe we'll see you over on the bonus one, you know? Oh. Maybe we will. Wink, wink. Wink. Uh, see you, everybody. Okay. Bye. Bye.